Welcome to the Craft of Coaching Podcast, where you'll learn about how to become a life coach with a strong skill set through understanding the craft of coaching. I'm Kate Swoboda. As director of a life coach training and certification program called the Courageous Living Coach Certification, I'm passionate about the craft of coaching and how we evolve our skills and the industry. Learn more about the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program at teamclcc.com. That's T-E-A-M-C-L-C-C.com. And here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode, which is all about becoming a great life coach. And even in the title, I'm aware that there could be something of a kind of ah trigger because you know, you, you hear phrases like, how do I become a great life coach? Or how do I become a good life coach? Or how do I become a better life coach? And these words like great and better and good, it all falls into the very paradigm that we are often trying to help our clients to climb out of, which is to stop thinking about ourselves and our lives in terms of how to be good enough, to trust in our inherent goodness, And that's one of the reasons why we find it so important in the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program that our trainees are working on themselves as part of how they learn to become life coaches. So in our program, we do not like, I don't know, assign chapters for reading and then quiz you on the chapters. We don't treat coaching as though it's like learning that one plus one equals two, and this is just information that's sort of out there, and once you know that one plus one equals two, then you've mastered the skill set. You will have a really difficult time taking your clients through the transformation that they need to undergo if you yourself haven't undergone transformation. So if you've ever felt like maybe you're not a good enough life coach, or if you're somebody considering becoming a coach and you're worried that maybe you wouldn't be good at it, let's call it what it is. This is a fear. It's a fear that you're not good enough in some way. It probably shows up in other places in your life. This is a common fear. Everybody, including myself, has some kind of fear showing up in their life in some way, or you can call it, you know, whatever you want, fear, self-doubt, you know, whatever word you want to put on it. Everybody has fear or self-doubt. So let's get to the bottom of this very common fear and start practicing courage in our coaching. So the major problem that I see from most coaches or coaches in training is that they are not trusting themselves to be able to handle what arises in a session. It's a fear that the session will go in a direction that they hadn't planned for. So a lot of coaches in training or new coaches spend a lot of time trying to plan for sessions or their questions tend to be, what's an exercise that I could offer a client who's struggling with XYZ problem? And this is fine, this is a really You know, this is how we all start, right? When we're beginners and we want to learn something, we ask questions like, what's the way that we could handle the problem? But great coaching isn't about hitting a to-do list of items in a session. And I'm aware that there's this dual kind of line that we all ride, right? Like, of course, great coaching is going to integrate 
a skill set that needs to be articulated that includes things like mirroring for the client. Mirroring, by the way, is not just repeating back what the client says. Mirroring is a skill. Um, asking a lot of questions, asking a wide variety of questions, knowing how to avoid leading questions that insert coach bias into the session. So great coaching is not about hitting a list of to-do items in a session. And at the same time, of course, great coaching always involves a specific skill set. So with that dichotomy fully laid out, it might sound contradictory, but in fact, the two ride a parallel line. There's one line that's like, hey, the to-do list items don't matter. And there's another line right beside it that is, there's a very specific list of skills that are happening in every great coaching session. Let's just move that to the side and instead move to here. Great coaching is about meeting the client where she's at and being in being with the client where she's at fully. I'm just using the pronoun she to all of my 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 male, my female, my non-binary friends, whatever and however you identify. I'm just going to say she in this case and really I mean the inclusive person, meeting the person where they are at. Great coaching is about meeting the client where she's at. And the coach in this equation can't truly do that if the coach hasn't decided to meet themselves, himself, herself, where they are at. I, as a coach, am only ever as good as the work that I've done on myself because it's when I've done work on myself that I'm opened up to trust that I can handle what arises in the session. So let's go into a couple different components of that. I hear from a lot of coaches an anxiety about not being good enough. And with that anxiety, there's often a lot of comparison. And those comparisons are based on their perceptions of other coaches. So it's, it's a comparison and it's a perception that that coach over there has their shit together. One of the tricky things about this is, by the way, and this is something that I think all of us can stand to take a moment to breathe and notice for ourselves, is is that comparison in any way based on the other coaches' branding? Because there are some coaches out there that have some really great branding. And I mean, not to toot my own horn, but maybe you think that of me. Maybe you think my branding is really great. And maybe you equate that with me somehow having my life all buttoned up. And there are coaches out there, unfortunately, that actively nurture that perception. They love it that people think that they have their lives so together. They do not talk about their major big fuck-ups. And that's really unfortunate because it just it fuels the comparisons game. And I think that, that to me, if, if I'm going to insert my judgment into the situation, is a sign that that coach hasn't fully integrated their work. What I would like in terms of how I'm perceived is to be perceived as a, a human, a fallible, real human. And I think that that's a wonderful aim for any person who's interested in coaching or new to coaching to take on for themselves. How can I, as a coach, be willing to be not the coach who has somehow the answers, but the coach who is fully human? And that is the doorway to meeting the client where they are at.
When you meet yourself where you are at, fully human, you can meet the client where they are at, fully human. Another thing that I notice tripping up coaches in this regard is thinking that they're not trying to fix the client. They think it, they say it, they say, I'm not trying to fix the client. The client doesn't need fixing. But deep down, they're still trying to fix the client. Deep down, they're still going to the strategic. They're still going to, oh, you're feeling a lack of confidence? Well, here are the five mantras that you can adopt to feel more confident. So go ahead and recite those every day and you're going to feel more confident. Don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with a practice such as that. But in my opinion, and what we try to teach in the Courageous Living Coach Certification is that great coaching is always going to come back to that being with the client where they are at piece. Because at the end of the day, you're going to run into clients who can totally execute the to-do list item of reciting the five mantras that will build their confidence. But if you aren't really getting at where the client's at, who they are, their way of being, their, the, things that are the, cha- the things that are standing in the way of them becoming confident, the ways in which their own patterns fuel that lack of confidence, the ways in which they buy in and choose behaviors that are counter to confidence over and over, all of these ways of being are really at the heart of the matter. And we can't treat these ways of being as if they're bad or wrong and in need of fixing. We need to treat these ways of being as normal responses to life, particularly if the client is challenged by something that isn't going to be easily fixed. I mean, just as a for instance, if you meet a mom who's really overwhelmed and her child has just been diagnosed with special needs, Treating her kid her or the, the diagnosis as though it's the enemy is not very helpful. And the diagnosis or the challenges that this mother faces with her child, uh, <laughs> this isn't something that is quote-unquote fixed. So we need to be with our clients who are in these states where they're really struggling with something and they're trying to figure out how do I integrate it and how do I continue or stretch to live a happy life despite life's challenges. So I've just touched on two things and I wanna recap them. One is um, great coaching is about meeting the client where they're at. And when you start comparing yourself based on your perceptions of other coaches, it gets really hard to stay where you're at. So stay in your own lane. Another thing that can trip clients, uh, coaches up in this regard is trying to fix the client. So really searching yourself for any place, even if it's deep, deep down, where you might be unintentionally viewing the things that the client brings to the session as problems that need to be fixed. Really search yourself for where that is and try to release that. And then next, and this is tied to it, is something we call coaching the problem, but not the person. Constantly getting strategic and not knowing how to help clients open up to something deeper can really hobble you as a coach. And in episode four of the Craft of Coaching podcast, that episode is all about coaching and going deeper with clients. And I speak to a couple of different ways that you can uh, invite that into your sessions. But 
really, I'm going to get into that more in episode six of the Craft of Coaching podcast, which is going to be dedicated to coaching the whole person. Now I want to shift gears just a little bit and go back to this piece about coaches not trusting themselves to be able to handle what arises in a session. You're going to trust yourself more as a coach when you are doing the following things. One, when you as coach are doing your own work on yourself. That's something I already mentioned. It's important to integrate. So if you're already out of coaching school, work with a coach regularly. Read books. Review programs, digital self-paced programs. My Courageous Living program is one that I would highly recommend because it's something that can expand your, your skill set and challenge you to look deeper at some of your own stuff. So do some kind of work on yourself and make sure that that work goes deeper and doesn't just stay in that strategic place. You'll also trust yourself more as a coach when you really deeply root in the fact that coach-client relationships are co-created. If you are worried about how to handle what arises in a session, and this keeps you from getting spontaneous or creative, maybe you resist confronting with kindness, maybe you hesitate to really challenge the client, maybe you're afraid to go deeper, When you understand that the relationship between coach and client is co-created, you also understand that what happens in the session is never all about you. Again, you're not supposed to fix clients. It's not all about you. It's also not all about the client. Each person has to bring their part. It's not all about you, it's not all about the client, and each person has to bring their part. The coaching relationship is a co-created relationship. Trusting yourself more as a coach also happens when the coach, you, understand that negative, quote-unquote negative emotions are part of a process. If a session ends and a client is still struggling, it doesn't mean that you failed as a coach. I know I keep saying this, but you're not supposed to quote unquote fix the client. So if a session ends, a client is still struggling, flailing, feeling, it doesn't mean you failed. It means that the client is in process. Absolutely give the client some kind of way to process what she's going through. Don't leave the client hanging. Give them some client care suggestions, offer structures and support. Even be transparent about the fact that you understand that the session is ending on a note that's difficult. And make it really clear in your co-created relationship with clients that this is a process and processes take more than one coaching hour or one coaching month. I was recently talking with someone in our Courageous Living Coach certification about this and I was talking about the commitment that I would require when I work with one-on-one clients, I require a three-month commitment. And um, I was saying that, you know, if a PR agency is taking on a client that they plan to represent and do public relations work for, they often will require that client to sign up for a certain number of months of working together. And they do that because they know that that's just the nature of the work, that you aren't going to get PR results overnight or even after only a month. So 
the commitment aspect of coaching is part of that as well. That very real fact that the work just won't happen overnight. It will take time and that's okay. So when you verbalize for that, when you verbalize that for the client, it helps both you and the client to be aware of the fact that this is a process and it's okay that it's a process. We are moving out of that societally conditioned idea that there is some land out there where people who do the right things and take the right actions live perfect lives. And instead, we are moving into this domain of being with yourself in process, being with the mess, and still saying, my dreams can happen and I can be a happy person, a whole person in the midst of a messy life. And then finally, trusting yourself more as a coach happens when you as coach really view the, the quote-unquote missteps in a session as, two, as something that two people, the coach and the client, can figure out together. So there's this real rah-rah quality that tends to go with coaching as if, well, you know, every mistake is something to be learned from. And it's like, eh, you know... When you're getting feedback on your coaching sessions in coach training school, like, let's go ahead and just say, this didn't land for the client. It was a misstep. I, I thought we could go in this direction with the client. Turns out we couldn't. The juice drained out of the session. Well, instead of going, ah, as a coach, I'm not enough. I'm a failure. How about, okay, let's course correct. Why not bring transparency around missteps into the session as something that two people can figure out together? If you're in a session, here's an example of that. If you're in a session and you're doing some coaching around the client's relationship with their partner, and as you're asking more questions or maybe you suggest a meditative kind of exercise, you notice that the juice just kind of drains out of the session. Go ahead and be transparent. Name it. Hey there. So I'm noticing as we're talking that we started to go down this meditative exercise and then something shifted in our session. Did you feel that too? What did you notice? So check in with the client. And then if the client's like, yeah, I, I found myself feeling kind of shut down, then you can go, okay, let's course correct a little bit. Before we did this meditative exercise, you were telling me about what happened last week. Let's go revisit that. Tell me a little bit more about what happened last week. So in other words, with the example that I just gave, it's okay to name what's happening in a session, to name the fact that it wasn't working, and to treat it as, hey, we're two people who are in this together. Let's just go ahead and course correct. Let's move in a different direction. You, as the coach, are not supposed to be perfect. You're not supposed to have all the answers. And in fact, I think it's dangerous when coaches move into that kind of a hierarchical terrain. I think it's dangerous when coaches assume too much space in what is supposed to be a co-created relationship. The coach should, should invite the client to observe and to notice the energy of the session. The coach, in my opinion, should invite the client to be an active participant in both parties taking self-responsibility for the nature of the work and then saying, hey, we can go in a different direction with this. We both are in choice around that. 
This is an incredibly empowering thing to do with a client, to practice with a client, and it's translatable into the way they live their lives in the outside world. Wouldn't it be great if because your clients practice course correcting during sessions with you, that they find that the next time they're about to get into an argument with their partner or their teenage child, that they are able to notice what they feel and then name it and then course correct instead of going down the same old pattern of operating on default. To me, I think that's a real win. And it also takes the pressure off of you because if one of the biggest things that coaches fear is that they're not good enough and not good enough is predicated on somehow fixing clients and solving problems for clients, if coaches take the pressure off to be the fixer or the solver of the problems, and instead a coaching session is fully co-created between two people, both coach and client can win. No relationship, in fact, really is a true relationship if one person is assuming all the responsibility for the success or for the outcome. Both people have to be in it to win it. So if you've ever felt like maybe you're not a good enough life coach, Let's start with examining perceptions of other coaches and comparisons. Search yourself and ask yourself, is there any part of me that's trying to fix the client, even if I think that I don't really do that? Is there any part of me that's coaching towards problems and getting strategic rather than opening up and really coaching the whole person? And then... Are you implementing pieces that will help you to trust yourself more as a coach? Because it's the trusting yourself piece that leads to the feeling good enough piece. Are you trusting yourself? Do you trust that you are going to do your own work? Do you understand that the relationship is co-created? Do you understand that negative emotions or feeling stuck are part of a larger process? And do you create transparency around identifying and course correcting when there's any kind of a misstep in a session? When you start to implement these different pieces into your coaching sessions, you will often find that you really do feel like, hey, I think I am a great coach. I think maybe I am good at this. I think maybe this is something that I'm allowed to feel really joyously competent and good at even if I run into challenges along the way. I want to add one personal note, which is to say that just because I personally would identify as being a great coach doesn't mean that I never make missteps in sessions or that I think I'm better than other people or that I think I'm the greatest coach or that, right? It's, it's not about arrogance to say, hey, I'm a great life coach. It's about owning that This profession is a place where, on some deep level, you feel like you've come home. That's really how I feel when I've had a great coaching session with a client, and we've co-created it, we've truly connected, and the client is either feeling stuck yet supported or feeling like they've worked through something and they're supported. Either way, it's a win. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a moment to give us a rating in iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast, ah, so helpful because that helps other people to learn about this podcast and also listen in. 
You might also want to become a subscriber so that you always get the latest episodes. If you head over to the Courageous Living Coach Certification website at teamclcc.com, that's T-E-A-M-C-L-C-C.com, and sign up to be a subscriber, not only will you get the first information about whenever we open up enrollment, you will also get access to a number of bonuses, like our Become a Coach video series, invitations to webinars on the craft of coaching, and so much more. So I hope that I see you over there. Once again, thanks so much for listening and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day.